Hey everybody, welcome to episode 61 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello everybody. And David Picciuto. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you guys? Doing real good. Awesome. I'm doing great. Sipping your coffee there, out of your pink coffee mug? Pink coffee mug, black coffee, no milk. Mmm. No sugar. Still on no the, sugar. Still I still, no since sugar. the beginning of the year, I am not actively uh, involved in putting sugar in my mouth. Passively, if it happens, it happens, but <laughs> I'm not choosing to put sugar in my mouth as often as so I So, you won't stop to. anybody if they're trying to. No. But, if someone yeah. jams a candy bar in my mouth, it's not from my hands. I, you know, I have no choice but to eat it. <laughs> you don't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> I personally have tried to cut out sugar as much as I can. So, I don't know if you guys remember, like six months ago, I had the cholesterol scare at the doctor Mm -hmm. and you know the typical thing is like reduce fat and lower your cholesterol intake um that's that's like old school ways of doing things and that actually could possibly hurt you if you reduce too much fat in you (laughs) and i just finished a new book uh maybe this book will save somebody's life someday but it's called the cholesterol myth and it talks about um you don't really have to worry about your cholesterol intake and your fat intake doesn't have too much to do with your your arteries. Uh, it has mostly to do with oxidation, uh, inflammation, sugar, and stress. And so mm. I've, um, I've kind of rethunk my entire approach to the cholesterol thing and reducing sugars and and uh, yeah, so if anybody out there has any kind of cholesterol issues, I highly recommend. This is not my pick of the week, but a book called The Cholesterol Myth. It's it's really good. Hmm. I gotta check it out. Yeah, so I'm right on board with you, Jimmy, with with no sugar. Yeah, like I said, it's it's not easy for me because I'm always so used to just grabbing sugar and Splenda and all that stuff. It's it's really difficult for me, but it's been working out. I'm also trying to cut out a lot of carbs. You know, I go right for pizza and hamburgers and all that stuff. So I've been trying to make healthier choices. And uh, I'm actually starting to lose a little bit of weight. I feel like I'm nice. slimming down slightly. Nice. Yes. And David, you've lost some weight too, right? Over doing yes. this? I've yeah. lost 13 pounds since October. Wow. Whoa. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm drinking a soda here, but it is a Zevia. There's, there's, no, there's no sugar or artificial sweeteners in here. But uh, yeah, 13 pounds since October. We're trying to do more, uh, less UPS, UPC based foods. So lately we've been making our own pasta. We've, we have uh, jarred tomatoes and, and, and fruits and, and things in the house and just trying to eat more fresh. We've, we've been doing pretty good with eating only organic foods or trying to eat only organic foods uh, over the past year or so, but really trying to just get rid of boxed foods. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good goal in general. Even yeah. even if for no other reason that it just kind of makes you more aware of what you're eating, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like you take some of the convenience out of it, and then you have to pay a little bit more attention to what you're yeah. actually putting in. So. And Jimmy, I mean, since you're you're losing a little bit of weight, do you just feel better in your shop yeah. through us throughout your your everyday life? Like, yeah, oh, no, I just totally. Yeah, I uh, you know, it just makes you feel. It's just, you're just more limber, definitely more limber. You know, like I don't, if I drop something, I say, could you pick that up? I say to somebody near me, because I don't like bending down. But uh, that's also partly because I'm getting older and I just haven't been exercising my legs and my, uh, you know, my, my torso in general as much as I should. And so I'm trying to do that a little bit more too. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, just uh, even though I'm very physical in the shop, I don't, I don't exercise, you know, my whole body as I should. 
And yeah. I'm getting there. You know, I, 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 in the last five years, I put on about 25 pounds. So I'm trying to get back to my fighting lightweight, fighting weight. Yeah, I've said it before, I'm sure on here, that like when I'm training for a race, when I'm at that height of training where I've been running for like several weeks, you know, t- nine or 10 weeks straight really hard, I feel so good. Like I could do anything. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you feel invincible. I, I've been there, but it's been a while. Yeah. Well, what are you guys working on? What you been up to? Well, I, I've been talking about it for four weeks, but I just posted the corner cabinet build up on Patreon. Uh, should go, should be, it'll be live for everybody else uh, by the time you hear this. Um, over the weekend, my buddy came over and we shot a whole bunch of footage for a shop tour. And it's going to be awesome. So I'll, I'll, I'll just tease everybody here. It's going to be in the style of MTV, MTV Cribs. Nice. And awesome. yeah, we watched a bunch of episodes. We took notes on how they shot things and, and how they do the walkthroughs. And so I know I probably f- told you this, but the guys that made Dirty Money are the guys that made Cribs. Yeah. The production he, house. Yeah. You yeah. told us that, that yeah. off air. So that's, that's pretty cool. Are you going to walk around with like a, like a giant lizard or snake like wrapped over your shoulders the whole time? Or? Of course. Right. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Like iguana, well, how- iguana named like, <laughs> I don't know, something silly. <laughs> <laughs> Cashmere. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, and then uh, I'm going to I'm making a at the same time I'm making a pen turning video, just like a really basic like if you want to make pens, this is how you get started. Hmm. Very cool. I've been working on uh, the I talked about it last week, making a new tool storage cabinet. It's basically in the in the style of a vintage toolbox. By the time this airs, hopefully it will be done in and up uh, because it's for core and it's due tomorrow. That that would be Wednesday. March 2nd. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty involved. It's, uh, so by the time the video is done, I won't be able to do everything I want to do, like give it a coat of paint and stuff. And it's just a matter of a time crunch. But uh, it's, I, have, I have this toolbox that has three trays in it. And the trays are always need to come completely out if I want to get at the basement. I've been jokingly calling it the basement of the toolbox, which is the last tray. And I never use anything in the last tray because it's too difficult to go down to the basement. So I'm making this toolbox with two drawers that pull out. So the, the three trays now are converted into a top of the box and then two pull-out drawers. And uh, it's been fun. I've kind of been figuring it out as, as I've been building it. But uh, the net result will look sort of a classic toolbox style. And it's coming out pretty good. And I have to start working on a, a make video, which I'm going to – I think right now I have it in uh, in pen and ink on my in my notebook, a whirly gig. So I'm going to make a whirly gig – a whirly gig address sign for my house oh nice so it's going to be like a mechanical motion whirly gig for the numbers of the house that's that's what i'm thinking right now i've never attempted one i see a lot of woodworkers making them but i've i've never tried it myself yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make one in metal so that it's rusty i like i like all rusty stuff and then the numbers will be kinetic so we'll see i have a couple of ideas to to tap into that motion as well to do a couple of other things Hmm. cool awesome that's what i'm going to be working on tonight sweet um, well, for me, I actually haven't been building a whole bunch, but I've been doing a whole bunch. It's been kind of crazy. Um, so yesterday I finally went to the uh, steel yard that I told you I found here locally. It was awesome. I posted a picture of half of the building and it's just gigantic. And so I was in the middle of the building, posted a fi- picture facing one direction, but there's at least as much steel in the other direction as well. How far away from your home is it? I remember you said you couldn't find It's like 15 minutes. It's not far at all. It's just like in an area of town that I don't really go in. It's kind of on the edge of town, so I don't ever spend any time over there. 
it's actually right down the street from where my wife goes for roller derby a couple of times a week. So it's kind of odd that we didn't know about it. But anyway, they were super cool. Got um, everything I needed there for a pretty reasonable price. They cut everything, you know, rough cut everything for me so I could get it back in the truck. It's huge, this place. I'm looking at it. It is. It's gigantic. They have the big cranes that move, you know, along the ceiling from one end to the other and all sorts of stuff. So definitely good to have that place, you know, around. But I, I got all the material for my welding table from that. So I've started cutting that down. And so I told you a couple weeks ago that I finally got a uh, Harbor Freight Porta Band so I could do the cutting of the steel better. And it cuts great. But now I'm finding that I need to have some sort of a, a holder so I can do like a precise miter or some sort of a table so that I could push it through. But even that would be kind of hard because I have these like a really long, heavy pieces, you know. You know what I, what I used to do is I, I have a wooden table with a sacrificial edge. So if you're cutting angle iron, for instance, clamp it to the edge and then just cut right into it, into the wood. You know hmm. what I mean? If you, so yeah. you're not so worried about it like being in midair. It also helps it be a little bit more stable while you're cutting it. And uh, if I had to cut angles and stuff, I just kind of draw the angles on it with a marker and then use my porta band to cut. But yeah. that was before I brought the, you know, the big machine down to the shop. Yeah, I think I have to just get, I've only done a couple of them so far, but I have to get more used to actually handling that saw and controlling the angle that it's going in. Because even, you know, if I'm looking down at it, getting that 45 is fine. I can eye that line and get that. But then as it goes through the material, it starts to drift in one direction. So then I well, end that's up why with like a what compound. I would do when it was really it was really important. I I draw the line that this, you know let's say you're going to do the 45 and then the straight you know going down the opposite side yeah. or the other side. I'd cut one facing me, then I'd flip it over and cut the other one facing me. Oh, hmm. so don't keep going through, you know, because that it, it the blade drifts. It's almost impossible. Oh, okay, that's a good tip. Sweet. So I've been working on that last couple of days, but I've also recorded a new episode of Brain Pick with Laura Camp and put that out yesterday. Oh. Sweet. Yeah, it was a good conversation. Oh, I, she's cool. She's super I cool. I got to see that. I didn't know that was out. Yeah. Uh, so that's up, and I shot a, an office tour in 360. Got that ready for the next couple weeks. My finished up the video for my shovel guitar that I made for Rob Scallon, and it's going up Thursday, so it'll be up by the time this is out. And pretty excited about that. And then I've been, like, outfitting my shop for live streaming. So... Yeah, it's been interesting. Lots of new challenges and lots of interesting thinking. Um, uh, can you talk about some of the challenges? Yeah. Um, so I've got, I'm not sure when I'm going to start this. So I'm, I'm still in the process of like, you know, figuring out the setup. But I've got four webcams in there all running to my main editing machine, which is like the big powerhouse machine. And so I found immediately that when you have multiple webcams, they draw quite a bit of power through USB. So then you have to have, um, well, there were two, two kind of problems there. One was power, and then we found out another one was video bandwidth. So if you have two cameras going through a single powered USB hub, that's enough power, but you can't do three. But even between those two, if you have both of those cameras on 1080, um, like on HD, then one of them will always drop out because it just can't handle the bandwidth of two of those through one, which it should in my mind, that shouldn't be too much. But anyway, so it was just a matter of like trying it didn't work. We had to add more hubs, USB hubs to power things, tried that didn't really work. So we had to cut the resolution down to 720 and then all four cameras would work, you know? Cool. And I, uh, cause 
maybe last summer I tried to do a couple live things with multiple cameras and um so I got two cameras on a USB and then my camera built into the laptop mm-hmm. worked as one and then uh depending on what the software you're using for the the switcher um which that the software is crazy expensive um uh you can also use your phone as another camera too so I didn't have like the the USB problem but it was uh, right. it was kind of cool I I can make them all work together and then you can overlay the uh, lower thirds and, and graphics over yeah. there too so so I'm working right now. I've checked out several different pieces of software. Right now I'm using a free one called OBS, which is a pretty mm-hmm. common one. It and looks terrible, though. It does, but we were able to finally get it set up to the point to where it's like usable and it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. The nicer software that is prettier and easier to use is definitely more expensive. But, you know, as a starting point, we got this one working. Ran into all sorts of interesting audio issues. Like I had to figure out a way to do wireless audio so I can move around the shop. I'm trying to do that in a way that's not too expensive, which is hard. Figured that out. And then we couldn't get the audio going through my audio interface into this program, but it would work in other programs. And so <laughs> it's just, it turned out to be way more technically convoluted than I thought it was going to be, which was interesting. Yeah. And I think the end result will be cool, but man, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I understand you, why people don't do this very often. Cause it's, you know, it's are you like me that you actually love, the the setup more than the actual actual execution um kind of i mean i like starting the process of figuring it out and then i get kind of like okay i'm over this i just want it to work now you know (laughs) like i just want to get on to doing the thing that i need to do what might be a schedule do you have you thought that through yet um i i haven't figured out the schedule and which actually that's part of what i think we want to talk about today is kind of time management because thinking about streaming live has affected how i think about my weekly time schedule. And so we can get to that. We have, I think a few kind of small ideas to talk about this week, but, um, I'm not sure yet about that. So would you do it like every Thursday from like this to this, or would it be every day? I mean, obviously it wouldn't be every day, right? Because you can't be in the shop every single day. No, it would, it would be once a week, I think at the most. Um, but there's a lot to like live stuff, like, um, just how to make it interesting, how to keep it interactive, is a whole challenge in and of itself. I always uh, tell people, ask me the same thing. They're like, I wish you had a camera in your shop full time. And I was like, you would honestly be super bored because, you know, what I, what gets sifted out in the videos is, you know, moments of of activity. Yeah. I think what people enjoy though, there's, there's a lot of people who have an office job and they're just sitting on their computer at work. And it's just kind of cool to have that little window open at the bottom of the screen and, you know, seeing what, what Bob is up to, you know, and, Oh, that's that's interesting. I can't wait for that video to come out. Yeah. Now, uh, question about where to put them. Have you figured out where you want them to go? Because I worry about cluttering up my YouTube channel with so, things like this. Right. I'm going to be streaming with Twitch. And mm. so I'm, I'm set up on Twitch and I've been talking to them. They're starting to build a, a kind of different sector within. You know, Twitch is known for live streaming gaming. And they're trying to to expand that. So I'm going to be streaming there and then taking the video footage from that and then editing it down to a a trimmed down, more polished version that will go on YouTube if it's applicable. Probably won't every week or every whatever. Right. But, you know, if I can get kind of a cohesive thing out of it. And then that goes back to, this is a whole new thing for me, right? So we started doing videos. Now we're doing podcasts and we had to figure out how to do podcasts. Now I'm doing live stuff and I have to figure out how to do that. And what's the format that makes it interesting live and editable to turn into another piece of media after the fact. So, 
you know, it's like I'm coming up with show ideas and like formats and, you know, it's just another thing to explore and try out and it may not work, but it's one of those things we're just trying. So always pushing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Does the 360 camera have any involvement in this? No, unfortunately there aren't any with the cameras that I have, there aren't any real time streaming options yet. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know like, uh, there's another, uh, an HD, not, so my cameras are 4k, the HD camera by, um, Ryko has a real time streaming thing, but it does the stitching of the two cameras internally to the camera. So it outputs a single video file. So it's basically just streaming a single video file. Right. Um, but it's a lower resolution and stuff. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. Have you found up, uh, excuse me, have you found a, a use for your 3D cam yet? I knew you did your shop tour. Is there, is it something you might integrate into like one video every couple of months or what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something that could be used too often. Um, there is a certain like gimmick to it and there's a certain like, you know, like, oh wow, this is a new thing. Um, and I don't think it makes sense in the format of a, for me personally, in the way that I do things, I don't think it makes sense in the format of a project because in a project, I want to focus the viewer on a particular thing. And when you give them that 360 option, they can get distracted and they can be, you know, anywhere they want to be. So I think in the yeah. places that I would end up using it, I don't really know what I'm going to do with it next, but I, I tend to think about using it in more of my videos where I want to like get a point across or want to talk about something where they don't really have to be looking at me or looking at anything. Um, so, and then, you know, I think it'd be cool. I'll probably say this and then people will be honest about it, but I think it would be really cool sometime when we're together to do a live podcast with that where they're, you know, we're all around the 360 degrees and people are listening to us do this, but then they can look around and watch David pick his nose and watch Jimmy flick knives at people. And you know, that's what happens (laughs) in case case you guys are wondering. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, I think that, yeah, I flick knives and David flicks boogers. (laughs) (laughs) That's what separates us. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to use them, honestly, but it's kind of, it's kind of like everything else. Like we talk about, it's one of those tools that, you know, it's, it's cool. You get it in your hands and then you start to come up with ways to use it. Yeah. That's the approach I'm taking. It's my story. And you're so into it. Time management. Today, my time management was I wrote on my hand podcast at three o'clock. And I just tried to jam in as many things as I could do between the morning and three o'clock. And then after we're done, I'm going to go back to the shop. I'm just working on that that toolbox I see that I talked about, but I needed to go buy hardware for it. And then I had all these plans of getting up early, but you guys know that I had root canal yesterday. And so. I woke up in the middle of the night with a major toothache and like my whole quadrant of my upper jaw was, was in pain Ugh. and I didn't get back to sleep until like eight, nine o'clock from 4am. I mean, I went to sleep mm-hmm. at about one, woke up at four and was up for about three or four hours in pain and uh, took Advil and just tried my best to just overlook it and finally fell asleep, got up. And so my morning got shot and uh, then I was able to go run and get some hardware for this thing, you know, some sexy hardware. I looked around the shop and I said, you know, I could just use what's here. Or I could make it look sexy and go and get some cool stuff. And so I opted for that. And so I ran and got the hardware. And, you know, just taking a walk in this neighborhood just sucks up two hours. And uh, But I got the good hardware, so it's going to be in the video. But time management for me is always difficult. I just know what my deadlines are. And I just, like, run like a 
body on fire until I try and get all those pieces in place until I get to my deadline. So it's really difficult for me to, to manage time lately, especially since we have so many different things going on, all three of us, you know, with traveling. And I had a, I actually had a pass on the, the, the make affair in New Orleans hmm. because I just, it was just too, we're going to be traveling, you know, we're all, I think we're, some of us are going to be traveling the week just before that. And then I'll be traveling the week after New Orleans. So I couldn't do three weekends in a row. It's just too, too much. It's like everything is just biting into my shop time. Yeah. And that's what I talked a little bit about in my Q&A video today is that I've just had so many things, you know, I'm getting the emails like, are you okay? You haven't put out as much video content. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just trying to, you know, fulfill my obligations here and there. And then, you know, I have videos trickling slowly together. So it's difficult. I think where a lot of my time management issues come about is the unexpected. I don't plan for the unexpected enough. And so when it does happen, it kind of gets me down because we may have talked about it before, like on Sunday or, or Monday, I might plan out what I'm doing for that week. And then each night I make a list of what I'm supposed to accomplish for the next day. And when uh, I, I talked about it before with the, the corner cabinets, so many things came up where it was just like one trip after another to the yeah. store or something breaking or something not going right. Uh, today was a trip to the vet, you know, uh, who knows what it'll be tomorrow. And so it throws me off. And then that's where I feel like, ah, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I, I get out of that, that, that good mindset that I had at the beginning of the week. I'm so good at just working through distractions though. I mean, my, my buddy just came by to talk to me about something and I did not stop moving the entire time he was there. And mm. you know, I was hammering and I was chiseling out when you see this video of the toolbox and I'm mortising the chisels, I'm mortising the hinge holes with a chisel and a hammer. My buddy was talking to me the whole time and I just was kept whacking away. You know, he wanted to cover some information. And so I was like, I'm going to do this while you talk. So he's talking and I'm hammering, but it's, uh, you know, I just, I just trudge on, trudge on through, you know, the, the distractions that occur in the shop. And, you know, occasionally we, we, we leave the door open and today was one of those days. So after this podcast, the door is definitely getting locked because hmm. my friends see the door open and they're like, Oh, let me go say hi. And, you know, I'm, I'm not as strict as I should be. You know, everyone says you're too easy with your time. And that's somebody that's standing there talking to me while I'm working. Like, well, <laughs> you shouldn't leave this. Annoyed? You shouldn't leave this open. People <laughs> will come in here because people like me are going to come and annoy you. I'm like, well, yeah. then you could police your own self and, see yourself out but so i'm curious about you, you know you said the unexpected stuff david um do you like when you're planning your next thing are you planning like days ahead hours ahead weeks ahead kind of what's the scope of of how you plan that stuff i don't really plan more than a week ahead i'm usually just trying to figure out what i'm doing over the weekend trying to figure out what i'm going to do for the week right. and um I think what it gets me down is what, like I said, when I get out of that and the whole week is then screwed up. Um, many months ago, I stopped putting out videos on a certain day or doing a weekly video. And that really, really helped things because I, I got to, now I get to work on projects at my own pace and I get to put in the time some projects deserve. But um so it's not real. I don't. It's not that I'm really disappointing anybody else. It's just that I'm disappointing me when I get out of my own schedule. Right. I think it's just a little mental hurdle 
I need to get over sometimes. Well, the reason I was asking that is, you know, I mean, I think personalities play into how we plan a lot. Obviously, like I'm, I'm one that plans out pretty far and I know that's not everybody and that doesn't make it right or wrong, but by planning a little bit more in advance and like saying, um, you know, like whatever, if you're behind on something, you say this week is a, is a throwaway catch up week or whatever. And then you, you start planning for the next week and that gives you that buffer. And I think if you can build in a buffer into the next week, not this week, because this week is already blown. It's always already blown, right? So, yeah. right, right. <laughs> if you if you build a, a buffer into next week, then when you get there, you've already got that time in for those mistakes. And if those mistakes or those things, that extra stuff doesn't actually fill that buffer, then that's free work time that you get to reclaim. And but the the thing is, that's hard to do, like I said, with this week, this the thing that you're about to start because it's already full, and so you almost have to. Um, kind of throw away the current, you know, hour or the current day or the current week or whatever it is and move, start planning the next one. I did that in um, kind of the end of the year, like the last two weeks of of last year. Um, because of my old job, I always took off from the week of Christmas till after New Year. That Those two weeks, I always took it off my entire career. And so I did the same thing this year where I planned ahead, tried to get some videos ahead, but I knew that those two weeks were for me to start to create a buffer for the next year, you know, and it kind of works. It kind of doesn't, but you know, it might just be something to think about throwing away the current moment. I like that. And you know, I do, I do do the, like this week is just catching up on stuff. Like, so I mismanaged my own personal website for so long and now, as of you know, the, over the past year or so, the posts that I put up are very detailed. But there's still a hundred old posts that needs that detail in there, and the plans kind of need to be redone, or I need to make plans for those old projects because I get asked all the time. So every once in a while, I'm just like, you know what? This week is nothing but web stuff, mm. and so uh, it's good advice. I can I can use that that web week, you know, every once in a while to to be that buffer. Yeah. So the reason I've been thinking about time stuff um, lately, you know, I said I was thinking about doing the streaming thing and part of getting on a, so currently I have a, a weekly schedule. I try to get a video of some type out every week and I have a day internally that I set as that day, but you know, it's not public so I can flex that a little bit in either direction. Right. But as soon as you start doing a live thing that's scheduled, that's not only a day, but it's also a time. <laughs> And that's like a whole different problem to to maintain and a thing to, you know, be there for. And so I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And from that point, I'm, I'm in my mind working backwards like, well, if I'm going to dedicate this hour of this day of this week to a certain thing, shouldn't I be doing that for the stuff that I'm already doing to a point, you know, that I'm already yeah. doing? Like, I don't have a specific day that I build. I don't have a specific day that I create posts or, or work on SketchUp models, or it's just kind of like I do the next thing that I have to do to get to the next step of the next thing, you know, and it's just like one, I'm just constantly moving on to the next little rolling thing. Um, but it got me thinking more about like, is that a, is that a reasonable potential thing to do to say like Monday and Tuesday are shop days. Wednesday is a, is a web thumbnail trailer, whatever day. Thursday is a post day and a, and a social interaction and a podcast day or, you know, whatever the, the thing is. Like, is that realistic for me or for anybody 
I don't know. Never for me. I could never do it. I, I wish I could. I just can't. What's the so many things? What's the thing up. that would stop you? Is it external stuff that would stop you from doing something? External like that? stuff, you know. I, I mean, people are constantly checking in with me. Like friends know, you know. It's also part. I, I call this kind of my my hoarding, and I have my my garbage pickers out there. People will call me and go, "Hey, I got this opportunity to get this, you know, new tool. It's this vintage tool. It's sitting right here, but you got to come here tomorrow." So I'm like, "Oh man, what am I gonna do? Oh man, what am I gonna do?" And then I'm like, "All right, I'll move that video to that day. I'll move this, you know." So it, it's partly my own fault uh-huh. that I'm not as rigorously sticking to schedule. So like when something comes up, I'm always like, oh, I'm never going to have this opportunity again to either meet this person. I mean, I talked about it when I said when I went and met Nick for the first time, we took that long car ride. I was like trying to stick to a schedule, but then I thought to myself, you know, I'm never going to have this opportunity to go see a, you know, this boat factory in person in Canada and whatever. So, you know, those things come up all the time. So I constantly remind myself, this is an opportunity, even if it's just picking the garbage that might never come up again. Hmm. Maybe I'll learn something. So that's why I keep my schedule a little loose, a little too loose, you know, to my own detriment. You know, for, I think the schedule works for some people like Steve Ramsey. That dude puts out a video every single Friday and puts out a really, really good video every single Friday. That doesn't work for me because the projects that I choose, some only take a day, some take, two weeks same with me weeks. same like exactly with me. yeah i don't want to make weak projects i don't want to i don't want to design projects based on on a time frame and so i'm just i put out a video when whenever it, it, it works for me and um i don't know i don't i we've all worked at jobs where we have a set schedule where you do this on monday and this on tuesday and i work for myself now i, I get the enjoyment of who knows what I'm going to do next week. Next week's going to be completely different, yeah. you know? Well, and that's why I said, you know, like, I don't know if that would even work. But maybe it's not as, as like, fully fleshed out as what I was saying for that reason, right? So, we're, we own our own businesses. We should have that freedom to, like, be able to not work a day if we feel like not working a day or whatever. But another thing I was thinking about, and maybe this is more a more realistic approach to it, is, like, compartmentalizing time that is like the only time you get on the phone with a sponsor is Thursday mornings before lunch or something to that effect where it's like this time is, this is what this is for. And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to plan anything else in that time. And I'm not going to take phone calls, you know, at seven o'clock at night from sponsors or whatever, you know, this is the time I'm going to do that thing. So that but all then my, Steve, but then Steve jobs, whoever the, who, who's the new Steve jobs. I have no idea. Tim. Tim. Cook. Tim Cook calls you and says, we want to do a video series with you, but I have to talk to you tomorrow morning. And then well, go, that's oh. different. You know what I mean. <laughs> but the point is, but like that's taking- always the decision. That's the, I mean, I'm just bringing up a, an extreme example, but that's my personal decision that I always am like struggling with. But those, like, oh, those little things leach into your time, right? And so- Totally. My and time if you, management is horrible. But I mean, even if that's maybe like every morning, you know, morning is my phone time or morning is my email time or whatever- yeah. And that just makes it so that that those things don't necessarily creep into the time that you want to spend, however you want to spend it. You want to be yeah. your own business owner, you know, after lunch <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe yeah. it's maybe there's something. I don't know. I don't have an answer here. I'm I'm thinking and trying to figure yeah. this stuff out too. But uh, kind of off topic, but something that I've discovered for myself. I'm just curious about you guys. Is 
Uh, I also used to do videos on Fridays, and then I switched to Mondays. I was trying to find like the, the best day to release a video. I've actually found that there is no best day to release a video. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. And uh, and so that's also – it also helped me kind of change up how often I put out videos. Mm-hmm. I just put out videos when they're when they're done. It might be a Wednesday. It might be a Sunday now. I'm the same what, way. How do you guys if feel I, If that? I'm anxious, I'll, I'll just I, – I try to stick to like a late night Saturday night schedule just because that's how it always seems to work for me. So I'm always thinking like a Sunday morning release. But if I have something cool, you know, I, I always also say this to me and Dave always have this negotiation. I always want to put out on my channel, I always want to put out a really cool build video on weekends. And if I have like a tips video and then like a conversation video, like we just put out and I don't have a good build video to go in between them, I always wait. Because if I put too many chit chatty videos up, People start saying, what's going on? Don't Mm. you make things anymore? So I always have to, I'll wait, I'll wait a week or two to put up a good build video before I put up another chatty video. Yeah. You know, like a, like a shop talk or something like that, which I don't do too much of, but you know, or, uh, like for instance, that the, when I did the bar build in, in Arizona, I didn't really consider that like a proper build video because it's like harsh light and it's just bad conditions and the audio is just absolutely horrible. So I considered that like, you know. Not not a good shop video for me. So I always try and at least have one good shop video before I put anything else up. So if I have to wait, if that takes a couple of weeks, you know, I, I always wait. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, too many similar, you know, non-shop videos in a row. All of a sudden, everyone thinks I don't know how to use tools anymore. Yeah, I, d- I do the same thing. Like anytime I put out a Maker 101, which is more about education and less about a project, people, you know, I have to space those out where people get upset. What are you, um, like a teacher now? That's yeah. it? You just teach things? Yeah. You this just is talk? all about making things and not making things, just teaching? Yeah. But as far as like the the release day thing, I actually have tested that quite a bit. So I used to release on a certain day and then I would test on a different day. And I found that um, there's no like, for me anyway, there's no particular day that's more advantageous to release on, but there are some that are less. And that's because of like just pure congestion within the space that we're in. Like I found mm-hmm. out just through trial and error that a whole lot of people release videos on Friday. And so if you release your video along with a hundred other people on Friday, there's a good chance that yours is just not going to get watched because there's too much to consume. You know, that's not necessarily the case, but why not instead pick a day where there's, you know, nobody releases on Tuesdays or on Wednesdays or whatever. Sunday at 4am. That's what. <laughs> yeah. That's a good time. You know what I mean? So I found that like just by, just by not doing certain days, any other day would probably be better. So that's kind of the approach. It's funny when I, I always release a video through the middle of the night and, and that's just because literally, I mean, it's not really my plan, but it's like, okay, everything's done. I've watched this video three times. I'm happy with it. And it's usually already up. It's already up and on. It's just me turning it to public. And, uh, at the end of the day, I find, and then I go to sleep, I wake up with a million notifications, but it's always Europeans that answer and quote first. So it's actually kind of hmm. cool. So they're always like, what are you doing up? I'm in Ireland. Why are you up? So, you know, so it's pretty funny that I get, you know, all the, uh, the different time zones first before I get the American time zones. Nice. For the most part. Yeah. Any other uh, time management tips? I got a couple of other things we can chat about. Just, no, we all need to be like better a at it. Fire and just try and get better. It's never easy. And then, yeah. you know, as we get busier with, you know, our, our growing channels, it's, it's just, like I said, we have more opportunities to say yes to interesting things. And then it's like, oh, but I promised this person I was going to build all these things. And yeah, you know, you know, I've, 
I'm getting better at saying no to things. Yeah, I said I used no to, to just say things. yes to everything because I thought everything was an opportunity, but but opportunities also take up a lot of time. So yeah. I've learned to say no, and that helps. Yeah, I think, and I've learned this from I guess from both of you guys um, is that you know, and this this is another YouTube centric thing. So I apologize if this doesn't apply to you, but. <clears throat> Um, if you have a sponsor or somebody wanting you, and this could go for a client, I guess, too, wanting you to do a, th- a certain thing and that the income that you're going to make or whatever profit, whether that's money or otherwise, is going to come from is lower than your threshold. And you say like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway, just because it's an opportunity. Um, you know, right around the corner, you could have another opportunity that's actually double that. And And if you follow the lowest common or the lowest possible thing just because it's right in front of you, you're probably going to end up doing more work for the same or less amount of money over time. And so I found personally that if I just don't take sponsors below a certain threshold, eventually I'll get a sponsor that will cover the ones I didn't Mm -hmm. take. And so you end up getting, you do half the work for twice the, or for the same amount of money, you know, in, in the average. Um, and I think that goes for like, you know, doing client work or doing, you know, even if you're like making handmade goods and you're selling them, like if you just spend, you know, two weeks making a hundred of these one little things, or you make two weeks making one thing that costs a lot more and you sell that one thing, it's less work for the same amount of money. So, I mean, you know, it's just about chasing, deciding what you want to chase and how busy you actually want to be. Because we do feel, and I do this so much. I do feel like, oh, I'm so busy and like, oh, everybody wants this of me or everybody, you know, and I, I, I like turn it into this like external, oh, I'm so busy, poor me. And it's, it's everybody else's fault. And then I like sit back and go, I'm fully in control of what I do and do not do what I do and do not, you know what I mean? <clears throat> you know, and it's like our schedules and our time are fully in our control. It's just about like setting our boundaries and deciding what, you know, how we want to spend that time and what's the thing that we want that's important enough to fit into our time. True. Yeah. True, true. But anyway, um, so a little follow up from last week, we, uh, we're talking about apps and did you guys ever come across any cool apps that were useful in the shop this week? Um, hmm. no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either, but we did have several people tweet at us. And I, uh, from the at making it podcast, Twitter account, I retweeted a lot of those. Um, so if anybody out there listening is looking for some apps that were useful for other people, go there and see some of the retweets and you can find some links because we had several suggestions. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jimmy wanted to talk about tool abuse. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What do you Uh, mean by that? Exactly. Well, a couple of people asked me, they said, you seem to abuse your tools. And, and I do, uh, I, you know, I, I like the philosophy of the tools are at my service, you know, and then you have the other guy that says, these tools are going to make you your living. You have to respect them. And I totally do that as well. But, uh, you know, sometimes I get people complaining to me, like if I use a tool in a video and I drop it on the table and, you know, a lot of times that's just for theatrical effect, you know, so this, these questions come from my video. So when people see me using a grinder and I just flop it on the table at the end of the take, that's just giving myself an edit point. You know, that's, I'm not the type of person that drops that grinder as soon as I'm done with it every single time I use it. So I am definitely going for a dramatic effect in some instances, but, uh, there, there are times when I'm like confronted with a giant chunk of wood and I'm like, I need to make this piece of wood 
four inches narrower. And if I stick it through the table saw, the table saw is going to moan and whine. But you know what? Let me take smaller bites. But it's like, again, sometimes for, for video effect, I'll, I'll, I'll make it look like it's, you know, throwing nail sparks and stuff. So it's, I always, my philosophy on tools is that they're at my service and it's just an object that helps me get to where I want to go. And I'm certainly nostalgic about tools. I have tools that I've been using since I'm 10 years old. I still have them. And so I'm just, I'm just kind of qualifying what a lot of people say about me, that I'm a tool abuser and uh, that I'm not really a tool abuser. My tools like me. I've had tools that, you know, I've had tools that just burnt out simply because they just given up. But when it comes to, uh, you know, hand tools and chisels and hammers and all that kind of stuff, even my table saw, you know, my table saw that I just uh, replaced with the saw stop worked great for me. I've had that for over 25 years. I bought it used and it's never given me any problems. Uh, it had a, a circuit breaker on it. So sometimes I'd wind it out until the circuit breaker gave up and then I'd have to wait 10 minutes and then the circuit breaker would restart. It wouldn't start right away because it was overheated. I'd have to wait. So there were a few times where Dave and I would just really push it into its limit and uh, I had to wait and then restart the, the breaker. The, it had an internal breaker on the saw itself. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up the, the conversation about tool abuse. One thing I want to ask you guys, and the reason uh, I, I thought of it is because uh, April and, and, uh, and Nick Ferry and, and uh, Jay Bates talked about it on their podcast. How do you keep the, your brand new table saw clean? The minute I unpack my table saw, it has like thumbprints, rusty thumbprints on it. I, I absolutely cannot keep the top of my table saw from getting rust and smudges on it. And now watch your videos I, and your tables both look absolutely brand new. I have, um, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I can grab it later. But it's a, it's a cast iron <laughs> spray stuff that you spray on top of it and you wipe it down. Like oh. once every four or five months i spray that on there the can's expensive maybe it's like 15 dollars for this can Ooh, but i've I had know this, about that. i had it for a couple of years yeah i always i just put furniture wax on it but you know it still doesn't work great yeah i've heard of people using paste wax yeah. or something yeah. but i've honestly never put anything on mine when i first got it i was like man i have to take care of this thing i just have to do the right thing to keep this surface and then i was like okay I got to research, figure out what it is I need to use. And then it was like two weeks later and I'm like, wow, I really got to get, I got to do that. And then like six <laughs> months later, I'm like, I really got to do that. I haven't done anything. So. Yeah. I mean, the very first day, I haven't done it yet. So people <clears> don't get upset with me. The very first day I have to bring like a palm sander to the top of that thing. It's going to make me cry because right now it's still machine the way it's was made. But I, I just know within between now and 20 years from now, I'm going to have to palm sand the top of that at one point. Right. Right now, it's still in pretty good shape. It's got a couple thumb thumb prints on it here and there. But uh, it's just amazing to me. Ooh, what do we got? It's called Glide Coat. Glide Coat. Wow. Uh, it's a t table and tool surface sealant. Um, it reduces sliding friction and protects from rust and fingerprints and all that. Oh, that's awesome. I never even heard about that. Cool. We'll put a link to that in the uh, show notes. <clears throat> yeah. And then, so a lot of people also ask me, they say, you know, when you paint your tools white, I, I obviously paint my tools white just kind of as like a joke, but uh, they always like, do you dismantle them? Do you take them apart? Do you cover the ports? I just spray paint right over everything. It doesn't, I spray paint over the trigger, over everything. And then if the trigger gets sticky, I just scrape the paint off with a razor blade. And if, and if any mm -hmm. paint, I don't, I try not to concentrate on getting paint inside the brush area or the vents, but. 
you know, it doesn't seem to affect the tool at all. Yeah. It's just, you know, it just mucks it up, but it's, uh, you know, and then I keep, if it gets beat up, I hit it again with white, but, and lately I've been a bit lazy with that. I haven't really been painting everything white. And then it's funny, everyone comments, they're like, oh, you must have a deal now. I don't necessarily have a deal. <laughs> have a deal with just, laziness. <laughs> yeah, I have a deal with being lazy. I'm like, oh, if the battery's dead, I could wait off camera for 10 minutes. So I just grabbed this one and that's what I do. But hmm. it's funny, I, I used the Ryobi tool and in, in when I worked in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, I used the Ryobi tool. It just happened to be there. The carpenters that set the stage up had it there. And everyone's like, are you working for Ryobi? Why are you using a Ryobi tool? And just happened to be sitting there. Hmm. So it's funny. It's like, I, you know, I set myself up for this, but it's funny. I don't have any deals with, with you know, hand tool companies. So. Yeah. I don't think I abuse my tools, but I don't treat them very well either. Uh, I don't have, I don't consider, there's very few things in my life that I consider precious mm. that are non-living things. Uh, and so I, lately I've been trying to buy the better brands, something that's going to last a little bit longer because I might take my sander when I'm done and it might, I might just kind of fling it on the floor or, you know, this chisel, which was crazy expensive. You know what? I might run it through some wet glue. I might have to fix (gasps) it later. I know. Um, and, uh, I know that everything that I have in my shop and four videos is replaceable. I know the dust on my camera is eventually going to ruin my camera. It's it's just one of those things that's like, I'm going to have to replace this stuff someday. Yeah. Don't treat it like it's precious, you know? That's funny yeah. that you said that because I, I wrote down the word precious on my notepad here because I have that same exact same mentality. Like I try my best and was something my wife and I were talking about this with our kids, like trying to teach them this at an early age, not to be precious with your stuff. Like, you should value the stuff you have and appreciate the stuff that you have, but it's stuff. It's It could all mm-hmm. burn, right? I mean, it's just stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's not where we need to you know, keep the importance. I mean, that's like a life lesson stuff for our kids, but we have to mirror that. And so it is an interesting like kind of middle ground to figure out where like you don't want to be precious about your stuff, but you also don't want to be destructive of it. You don't want to waste the fact that you have it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to like intentionally be mean to tools or whatever, but, um, abuse abuse them. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, if it's something falls off a table, oh, well, you know, it's, it's like like the cost of doing business. Like you have to kind of think of it in that way. Um, that my hand planes, I have to like take them apart and like sand the rust off them. Yeah. I I can't keep my hand planes. So I see somebody like if I, if I went to my, for instance, if I go to Offerman's wood shop, I see him using hand planes. He built the boat with, and they're an apps. They look like the day he got them. My hand planes look like they fell off the table thirty times, and they have. Yeah, you know, like I shove a piece of plywood, and I see three things fall, and I look. I'm like, oh, it's the mallet, the chisel fell, of course, tip right into the concrete, and the <sighs> you know, and the shoe of my Lee Nielsen plane. You know, yeah. I just, I, it's because I'm always so focused on the actual project. I'm not so focused on the tools themselves, and you know, tools like I said slide off the table. I I spun my toolbox around this morning in the process of working on it. And I felt it hit something on the other side of the table. And I looked over it to see, because I knocked a couple things off. And my phone, my iPhone was just teetering halfway off the table. <laughs> I spun the toolbox around and it shoved my iPhone. And it was just hanging off the table. Like, like thankfully, it didn't fall. But um, yeah, I feel like the tools are, are at my service. And the, another reason I bring this up is because I, I, I see people who buy brand new tools and they're so afraid to use them 
because yeah. they're brand new. You know, a lot of people have that OCD of having something that's brand new and uh, they're afraid to, to use it or they're afraid to chip the blade up or, you know, blades are meant to be replaced. You know, bandsaw blades are meant to be replaced. So many times I speak to people about their bandsaws and I was like, okay, when's the last time you put the blade, you changed the blade? They're like, well, it's the blade that came with it. I go, when did you buy it? <laughs> I bought it two years ago. I got to change my bandsaw blade once a week if I'm doing busy projects. You know, um, so it's funny that some people don't realize you could change blades. Yeah. It's it's funny. Um, maybe you guys know what the notebook is called, but it's like a notebook that you get and there's like instructions at the beginning of it saying, okay, rip out a page, crinkle up this page, just scribble something on this page. <laughs> that way you've already kind of messed it up and yeah. you, you're, you're using it's it. It's called Destroy now This Book, you, I think. It, okay, yeah. thank you. And we should put a link to yeah. that in the notes too because it's a really cool little little book. And that gives you permission to then use that item. Yeah, it's like a journal. And it's like, you know, you, you break it in at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, another thing I was thinking about kind of related to this and only from the only reason I'm saying this is just for some perspective. Um, I get a lot of emails from people who don't have tools, right? And they they comment about like, oh, well, I could do that too if I had whatever, mm. you know, and there's a lot of that and which is whatever, it doesn't really matter. But the sentiment there is that um, in relation to like abusing your tools is that you have more than I have. And you don't take care of them the way that I would take care of them, right. which is totally, a lot. totally plausible. A lot. Like to that makes sense, right? If you don't have something like I can look at some crazy basketball player who has a Bugatti and he drives it into a telephone pole and I'm like, you idiot, you know, you, you just totaled a $500,000 car that I will never have, right? I don't really want, but my point is that's the thing I don't have. And he didn't take care of it. I want a Bugatti table saw. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> be like the curviest table saw ever <laughs> and it would go like five million miles an hour but you know yeah. I th there's like a relative um like i don't even know what the word is there but like a, a preciousness to the stuff that we have or do not have you know yeah. and in us the three of us in particular we are at a place where we have had these tools for or some version of these tools for a long enough time that they're not precious to us anymore and they're just things that we use like that basketball player has had expensive cars enough that he doesn't really care about the fact that they're expensive anymore. You know, that's just like the same reason we've been drinking clean water long enough that we don't take it, you know, we're not super happy for the fact that we have clean water. I mean, it's a relative like <clears throat> happiness it's funny. Somebody thing. commented on a video the other day and they said, wow, isn't it funny they give free table saws to people that have the money to buy them? And I said, it's really simple. I said, just start a YouTube channel, get a half a million subscribers, work for five years promoting yourself, <laughs> get 50 million views, and they start giving you free stuff. It's super easy. I mean, yeah. you could just, There's anybody nothing, could do nothing that. to it. Yeah. <laughs> While you're just sitting on, you know, mountains of cash the entire time. Yeah. I you said, I said, and I explained to him, I said, it's a fair exchange. The company's getting the value that they would get in monetary, you know, in exposure. Yeah. If they gave you one, nobody would watch it because nobody would ever see it because you don't have a YouTube channel and you don't have an audience and you know that's what you choose to do and that's fine so um i just thought it was unfair that he kind of pointed me out by saying you know it, it, they give it to the people that i could afford i could afford a lot of things and you know i don't show half the things that i own because there's no point in it it has nothing to do with the video that i'm building so you know it just kind of kind of annoyed me that somebody would say that to me yeah i mean yeah that, that comes from being the further in front you are of any or 
the larger the group of people you're in front of, the more of that type of stuff will happen. No matter yeah, sure. what I mean, I, job I, I you honestly, have, no matter, you I, know. I can't really remember the exchange, but I think we kind of, you know, we, we cooled it out. It didn't get heated more than, yeah. than that. Well, it's, it's like that basketball player, he worked his ass off to get to the point to become a professional basketball player. He, he essentially earned it. Jimmy Duresta, he went through 10 table saws. He's been working on a table <laughs> saw. A pinky. All, all, yeah, and a pinky all his <laughs> life. Like, okay, he earned that. He, he's worked for it. Well, yeah, that you know? was the point I was making. It's like, you know, it's at the, at the end of the day, it was a fair exchange. Yeah. But I think for, in regards to like the kind of what we were talking about, the tool abuse thing, it's like a comfort level you have with the stuff that you've used. And I don't think any of us would intentionally like destroy a tool for the sake of destroying it, except for maybe Jimmy would at some point. <laughs> well, yeah, just think, I, it's so funny. I do it purely for ratings and people don't notice it. Like, I can't believe you would weld a claw to the back. Of, I go, don't you understand I'm doing this just to annoy you? Can't you see that? I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, I'm so open and obvious about that. But yeah. it starts these dialogues. So another good example, I remember what I was going to say. The, uh, the bottle opener video, I find myself defending myself all the time for that because people mm. are always like, I can't believe you just wasted 10 good tools that I could have used and I don't have any tools. I have, if I have one of those objects in the video, I have 10 of each one of those objects because I'm constantly buying these things at garage sales in upstate New York, you know, for a nickel here, a quarter there, a dollar there. And I buy them just so I could have inspiration to, to design and develop and modify new tools. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's a commercial. Somebody got mad at me for wasting $10 worth of tools. I said, why don't you get mad at Batman when they destroy a city bus and they flip it over? I mean, hmm. it's the same thing. I mean, I wasted $10. And yet, there's, every day in Hollywood, they waste millions of dollars. So I'm, pre I'm pretty sure Jimmy example. Jimmy just said he was like the same as Batman, right? <laughs> yeah, I think okay. so. I'm going to flip my table <laughs> saw over in a, in a movie set. Well, and there's yeah. a difference too there. It's not, it's not like you're welding a claw hammer onto your table saw, right? right. That would make <laughs> both of them useful. <laughs> exactly. Useless. <laughs> I mean, you're welding a cheap thing onto a cheap thing. It's, you know, uh, there is a yeah. little bit of a difference No, but it's there. funny, because, you know, and the people uh, just, it's funny, people get so irate when I, you know, and of course I say, I, I did this specifically to upset you and it's worked. So mm -hmm. yeah, can't you I've see, done that. can't you see that? I mean, remember, I remember watching you when you made the Mickey Mantle card. I was like, <laughs> you pointed on the resident. I'm like, I didn't know you that well when you did that. I was like, oh my God, he's gotta be, it's gotta be a joke. He's gotta be a joke. And I immediately Googled how much a Mickey Mantle card would be. I'm like, what? He just spray glued that Mickey Mantle card to wood? <laughs> What's wrong with him? It's fun. I love get you know, we all love getting a reaction out of people. Uh, a few months ago, I got the, the Festool drill. And day one, I masked off all the green parts and spray painted it red, posted it on Instagram. <laughs> and just to get a reaction out of people, it still works. It works great. And there was a couple of people like, you're an idiot. You're, and I'm like, I put this up here so you could call me an idiot. It <laughs> and you paid for that tool. And you can do whatever you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's, that is correct. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, there's, I, I think everybody just has to keep that in mind that, you know, when you're looking at how someone uses the stuff that they have, they're in a different place than you are, no matter where you are, right? They, they have, they got yeah. there in a different way. They, they find value in different things. I mean, that's why we're all different people. So. Yep. At the end of the day, all my tools serve me well. And, you know, if I drop my plane, my hand plane and I ding the corner, I take it over to the sander and I fix it. I buff it. I get it back to normal. I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't ever abuse my tools to the point where I just drop them. It's not like if you picked my garbage, you would find a belt sander. You would find a palms. It's like <laughs> everything gets used. Yeah. Like 
there's only been like one in the whole time, for instance, since Dave's been with me, it's been almost like nine years. There's only been two Palm Sanders that have burned out. One one by Milwaukee and one by Porter Cable. Those are the only two things I could think of that have like run their entire life through in my shop in the last nine years. Because hmm. we just finally threw them away because we were like, why do we keep saving these? We think we're going to like take them apart and fix them. We just gave them away. So, I mean, those are the only things I could think of, you know, as far as things that have like run the course of their, their life. Right. Um, so totally unrelated, but if you guys are ready to move on, I have a question for you. Go for it. So I have a lathe. I have this old craftsman lathe, which we've talked about before, I think, and it's just scares me to death. Uh-huh. And I am inches away from just giving it away. So before I do that, give me a reason not to get rid of my lathe. You know what I say? Give it away and get a good new one. That's my thinking. Yeah. yeah. That was Give the idea. Give it to somebody that can learn on it the way you've experimented with it. And just go to Woodcraft and buy those like like a little, uh, the Delta mini lays. Those are cool. I have one of those for a smaller project. Mm. Um, you know, they're also all over Craigslist. Or get like an old, if you have the space, that's the problem with them typically. You can get like a really good, well-made Delta lathe that was at a, at a woodshop class somewhere in, a, in the 80s, for instance. Hmm. You could find these all over Craigslist. Not here, you can't. <laughs> but yeah, Uh-oh. you know, now you're going to get a hundred listings around the block. <laughs> <laughs> that book that I read a couple months ago, "The Art of Tidying Up," it talked about like pick something up, hold it in your hands. Do you, does that item bring you joy? If it does, keep it. If you get nothing out of it then get rid of it, you know? And it sounds like that lathe does not bring you joy. It sounds like it scares you. Yeah. There's sounds like there's no reason for you to have that. Yeah. I don't think there is. And it's too big for me to pick up to see if it brings me any joy. It's too heavy. Just, Bob, just pick it up. <laughs> it's rub heavy, man. On it. yeah. Just rub your cheek on the cold metal. And I think the vibe. for me, like the lathe is like one of those things where it's like, I feel like I should probably want to use that tool because other people enjoy using that tool I've just never had a thing that like requires a lathe to make. Make a baseball bat, even though it's a redundant project. But see, that's you'll the, get some reward out of that. But that's not how I work. That, me, I would be like totally not into making a baseball bat. I have no use for a baseball bat, and I would just wouldn't want to. Like, I wouldn't want to go through that as an exercise. I totally understand what you mean as an yeah. exercise, but I wouldn't spend my time there. You know. Last year, you gave me a little knob, uh, a three D printed knob that goes on my old Shapeoko. Mm-hmm. Could have made that on the lathe, mm-hmm. yeah, and in less time there. So I mean, there's it's like you talk about all the time of you have the tool, you'll find a use for it. You haven't found a use for the one you the lathe you have now is because it's old and it scares you. Right. But if you have one that you feel comfortable with, you'll find uses for. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's probably true. That that may just be the barrier there. Yeah, you know what? It's if it's you're uncomfortable with it, get rid of it and just for a few hundred bucks, you can get a really good lathe on Craigslist. It, it just I see them constantly. At least, yeah. you know, in New York State, there's always tons of lathes. I'm always looking, too, because when I find the nice, good old shop one, I'm going to, and I have the room for it, I'm going to grab it. Because I think about that space and where it's a big thing. It's like 48 inches or something. It's a big dude. And it's on a table thing. So it takes up a fair amount of space in my small shop. And I think about what could fill that space instead and how I would use it, you know, and that that's even more. Is that the old one where the motor is like dislocated from it and you have to like the belt goes to yeah. it? Yep. Yeah, those those are a pain in the butt. Now they have them that are all kind of more self-contained where you have like a small motor. Mm-hmm. You know, actually um Harbor Freight sells a great one. It's the knockoff of the one I just talked about. 
Hmm. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same casting and shape and size. And it's about 25 inches wide and you can make a nice bowl on it. I think you could even spin on the outside so you can go outside the throat. Oh, yeah. Of the throw. Yeah. That's something I would kind of be interested in is having that. And I couldn't do that now. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you convinced me. <laughs> Throw it out right now. Throw Give it, it away to somebody local. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find somebody. Um, the makerspace here, I try to give them stuff when I'm getting rid of things so that they can build up you know, what they have available. So, yeah, let me do that. Cool. Well, that answers my question. And that's all I got. You guys want to talk about what we're, uh, we're watching? Sure. Go for it. Uh, so, my wife pointed out this YouTube channel to me and it is a gem <laughs> i love it uh this lady her name is simone gertz and she makes what she calls crappy robots but she doesn't <laughs> use the word crappy we're, we're keeping this, this podcast clean and the videos are amazing as soon, i watched two videos and i had to text bob i'm like bob <laughs> check out this channel <laughs> so she makes like these little like the applause machines um there's a, a the breakfast machine, so it's like a robot that scoops cereal and puts it into her mouth. Uh, there's a lipstick <laughs> robot; <laughs> it just does like so a good. terrible job. So yeah, it's so good. good. And she's been on looks like talk shows in, in other countries, and it is fantastic. Love it. Yes, Simone's robots. And it and it's funny. We just got an email um, yesterday from a listener who's like you. You guys got to check out this channel. I'm like, I've been watching it for a couple days now. Yeah. Looking forward to her next video. Yeah. Well, I can't, I'm looking at my history and all I keep seeing is videos on Trump and videos on (laughs) (laughs) Bernie Sanders. I've just been educating myself on the candidates. It's Super Tuesday tomorrow. So just been educating myself on. On the candidates, and there's lots of funny. You know, Trump it's moments. Tuesday today. Yeah, today's Tuesday. Oh, oh, it is Super Tuesday today. Yeah. Oh wait, you better go vote. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought today was Friday. I have um, I have a recommendation if you want to look through your history and find one. Go ahead. Um, we've talked about him before. Our good buddy Kyle Toth. Oh, I was mm. going to say that. I swear to God, because he's right here too. He so made you want- the craziest thing I've ever seen on a lathe, mm. which donut. is part of what brought this whole lathe conversation <laughs> up in my head. Taurus. He, a Taurus, a segmented Taurus. That it blows my mind how much time had to have gone into this thing. Maybe it's because I have no experience with that tool and within that world, but it, I, I just don't get it. I don't know how he uh, does that stuff. Among all my Bernie Sanders and uh, Donald Trump videos is the Taurus, <laughs> and I was just going to say that. Too late. Hey, you can do it too. You can say it. No, 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 no. We both, we could both say, yeah. we could both say, go watch the tourist video because it is incredible. And I, the funny thing is, is from all the pictures that I saw of it, I thought it was like 30 inches in diameter. Yeah. And, and <laughs> me, and, me and Kyle, we Snapchat a little bit every once in a while and he sent me a picture of it and I thought it was like this big, but it's not, it's about like 20 thir- inches. Yeah. Some, yeah. Maybe under- 18, but there's, maybe? there's so many pieces in there. I mean, it's like 20 something not- hundred, 2100 yeah. or... And it's so obvious that he, from his videos, that he's having a good time yeah. doing what he's doing. He just looks like he's always having fun. So I love, I love where he he finds places to stick the camera, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. sends it through the planer yep. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so everybody go check out that video because it, it really is. It turned out to be just a beautiful piece, 
but it's also just really amazing how you can think that far ahead into something that complicated and, you know, cut the segments right <laughs> at the very beginning. Can I, can I tell you, I, I'm, I, I saw the finish thing before I had a chance to watch the video and I'm, I, in my head, I'm like, man, if I went to make that, I would have so much trouble because all the math that I had to do and getting that last piece to fit in there would be so hard. And then he just made two halves and glued the two halves together. And it was like, duh, yeah. that's yeah. how you do yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's funny. And then, uh, you know, uh, by the way, I'm looking through my thing and, and we have Matthias to builds the lathes from scratch, Bob. So yeah, that was another thing that brought, brought it up to me. No, I have no interest in that. I, I was really fascinated <laughs> with how he did that though. I just assumed it would be a lot more complicated. And I mean, it's, it's not a simple project or anything, but mechanically there's nothing really there, you know? And the fact that he makes like a wooden bearing, I thought was really cool. And um, yeah, that was really impressive. So we expect you to make your own. <laughs> yeah. Everybody be like, you copied Matthias. <laughs> well, um, I guess that's probably it. We've covered a lot of wandering things today. Um, before we go, I want to say thanks to some Patreon people. Um, yeah. Dominic DeFino, John Cornwell, Luis Gonzalez, and Jeremy White. Always grateful for those guys and for everybody else at Patreon. Um, if you guys want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. Or you can share the show. Leave us a review and a rating. Send us an email. Tweet at us. Give us a high five next time you see us. Tell your folks. Tell your friends and your grandparents. Send us show ideas, too. Yeah. You want to hear. yeah, send us topics. It is, you know, actually hard. I mean, we can ramble about anything for a while, but it is <laughs> kind of hard to come up with interesting things to talk about every week. So, yeah, send us some ideas uh, on Twitter and on uh, on Instagram, at Making It Podcast. And unless you guys got anything else, that's probably it. That's good. Cool. See you guys next week. Later on. Bye. I love everybody. <laughs> I do.